Hello and welcome to Jules Detail, the podcast series about big data, analytics and data warehousing with me, your host, Mark Ripman. So my guest on the show this week is someone who I was very envious of this evening when my train home from London was delayed once again. He's a fellow Brit who managed to escape over to sunny California to become the community champion for a two-year-old startup in the data in motion space, a company called Streamsets. So a company you might have heard me talk about over the last few months when I used their product, which we'll go into more obviously in the, in, in the episode, uh, to integrate the data into the personal data lake that I was building over the summer and tweeted and talked about it and so on. So uh, Pat, do you want to introduce yourself and, uh, and just tell us what you do and, and how you got there? Yeah, so uh, I'm, as you say, I'm Pat Patterson. I'm uh, originally from Coventry, so a little bit further than you, you it's uh, uh, further north of you, uh, it sounds like. But uh, yeah, I've been at Streamsets for, let's see, eight months now as their community champion, a kind of nebulous job title that basically allows me to do a whole lot of interesting, fun stuff. Uh, before that, I was at uh, Salesforce for uh, five and a half years as a developer evangelist. And, and before that, going right back into the dawn of time, I was at Sun Microsystems as the uh, community guy on uh, a product called OpenSSO. So that was like single sign-on, web access management kind of stuff. So in, in a funny way, I've been doing this job for 10 years, but I've only been working with big data for about eight months. So um, Pat, to start off then really, um, maybe, I mean, I've heard of Streamsets, but many people might not have done. So do you want to tell us what Streamsets is? Okay, uh, because obviously it's the company name, but what is it? And, yeah. and in a way, what problem does it solve? Right, so Streamsets, the company, was founded uh, a little more than two years ago by a couple of guys, uh, Girish Pancha and Arvind Prabhakar. So Girish had been the chief product officer at Informatica, and Arvind had worked uh, on the technical side at both Informatica and Cloudera. And Arvind in particular had seen um, the kind of issues that people wrestle with um, ingesting data into the big data uh, ecosystems, so into your uh, analysis platform or whatever. And and that kind of spurred him to thinking he'd worked on, I think, Flume, Apache Flume in the past. Um, and, you know, that goes some of the way to solving some of those problems. And he really got thinking about, um, you know, how can we do a better job of this? How can we take a modern approach to this? What's effectively an age old problem, you know, ETL uh, and, and kind of update it for the world of uh, big data. Well, also the, on the one side, you're, you're talking about ingesting into big data, but on the other side, you're talking about ingesting from a far wider variety of sources than in traditional enterprise uh, ETL. And that, that really spurred the creation of this company and the first product, uh, Streamsets Data Collector, which is, you know, as, it, as its name implies, allows you to collect data from a variety of sources and, and, and ingest it. And then um, about a we about a month ago, a couple of months ago now, we released the second product, uh, Dataflow Performance Manager, which really takes a step up from, um, you know, where Data Collector allows you to build these data pipelines, these data flows. Um, DPM, Dataflow Performance Manager, uh, allows you to manage them. It's kind of like a management layer on top. So if you've got as our, some of our customers do, if you've got dozens or hundreds of these pipelines running, you know, you need a way of uh, getting control of them rather than just alt-tabbing around. Uh. 
So obviously um, StreamSets isn't the, the first graphical um, ETL tool on the market that can uh, read and load data into Hadoop and it can use Hadoop as a, as a loading engine and so on. Um, uh, so what, what particular problem was, was, was StreamSets designed to solve? And what was it that kind of drove a lot of the design and the thinking behind um, your particular take on, on, on this kind of area? Right. Uh, our focus, which we think is uh, fairly unique, is um, on this problem of uh, data drift. So upstream data sources, you know, in, in the world of enterprise ETL, your data sources were fairly static from the point of view of metadata. You had schemas and they, you know, they didn't change often when they did. It was a well-managed process. Now, when we're ingesting data from um, application logs, devices, uh, social media, um, those, that, those schemas are much more fluid. And a lot of existing tools have a very schema-driven approach. And changes such as uh, columns, even columns, uh, fields changing their order, let alone fields appearing or disappearing, um, break those tools. They, they, you know, you're, you're, they're, um, they're very brittle in the face of those changes. And uh, scripts and, uh, you know, custom apps that you write, even more so. You know, you, something changes and like, you know, the, the field that you're working with is no longer an int, it's a string and your script or your app just uh, crashes out and you have no idea, you know, how many records you processed and how many have been dropped on the floor. So that's that was really one of the prime motivators was uh, dealing with this issue of data drift and moving from a schema driven approach to what we call um, an intent driven approach. So when you build um, a pipeline with data collector, you typically just reference the fields you need to reference. You don't have to collect the schema or define the schema um, of the origin. Um, in fact, it's it's almost like an, an IDE for building. Well, it's not almost like it is an IDE for building pipelines, because what I typically do is I um, drag in a, a source and configure you know my jdbc connection details or um now in fact uh, might say my salesforce id and password and just do preview and see what comes back and then i can start to say well i need to work with this field i need to uh split the stream of records in two based on this condition and i start referencing the fields that i can see in the uh, origin and this idea of being intent driven means that if those fields change their order well, we don't really care they're, they're still flowing along if new fields are introduced again we don't really care they just flow along and if you didn't define that you want to write those into the database at the other end of the destination of the pipeline then you know the pipeline just keeps running now if a breaking change happens obviously we can't be like resilient against anything if some field that you were relying on uh changes disappears whatever um that record will go into an error bucket so a queue or a file or whatever and you'll get a notification and it happens in a in a controlled way because it's an expected uh it's an expected thing you know we, we expect uh change we expect um, schema change over time so it happens in a very uh, managed kind of way. So what about the actual architecture and uh, technology behind stream sets in design I suppose I guess how have you managed to what have you done differently with that to, to better reflect um, the way we do things in, in Hadoop these days? Yeah so I would say um, it's certainly been architected 
to address the continuous streaming uh, use case first. Uh, you know, it's not kind of evolve. It's not kind of a kludge on a batch tool. Mm. Um, it's it's continuous first. And when you look at uh, the world through that that lens, batches are just a special c case of a continuous pipeline. Mm. It's just you get you know hundred thousand records in a short period of time, and then you're quiet for a while, and then you get another 124 hours later. You know, that's that's one mode of uh, continuous uh, operation. It's much harder to uh, go in the other direction. So, you know, that's um, one example of the way that, you know, because it's been essentially built over the last two years, hmm. it's been informed by the way that people are working with uh, big data now. Yeah. So an another example is... Um, you know, we parse the record um, as we read it in, and then it's all in-memory processing until we write the record out at the other end. So this makes it quite efficient in the way that uh, it's working. You know, we don't have a lot of writing to disk uh, uh, in the middle, but we do um, follow the transactional semantics, you know, where obviously where sources and destinations are transactional, we are able to do things like guarantee um uh, at least once delivery mm. at the record level. So I've heard again from um, from some of the sort of stream sets, marketing materials and some of the presentations that one of the things you particularly talk about is doing this at scale. What does that mean really in terms of the products and how you use it? Yeah, so um, we can actually run in uh, three modes. So if you're, say, say you're ingesting web server logs, Okay, typically you'd run stream sets in standalone mode there. You would just have an instance uh, with access to those log files and you would send them to uh, Kafka, for for example. Now, as well as that kind of mode, and I can run that, that's what I run on my laptop when I'm developing and testing. Um, as well as that, uh, we can run in uh, a streaming mode where we actually uh, run as a Spark application. So. Uh, when you start the pipeline, we effectively do a Spark submit with all of our jars and so on, and use the. Uh, right now, we use the uh, Kafka integration in Spark. So, as many partitions as your Kafka topic has, you get that many instances of stream sets running in parallel. So, the, really, this is scaling into uh, the Spark cluster. Uh, and similarly, uh, we if you you know if you want to do some transformation on uh, HDFS data in the MapReduce cluster, we've got a similar mode there where we we deploy as a MapReduce job, and you get like n copies of uh, uh, streamsets data collector running on the different nodes close to the data, and and that's pretty interesting because you know in in that sense we are big data native because. You know, for me, one of the almost the defining factors of big data is moving the computation to the data, and and that's exactly what we do. We move uh, the stream sets uh, application to the uh, Hadoop uh, nodes. Okay, so so what? Just before we go into more detail, and, and I'd like to kind of drill into some of those things with you and, and look at them more, um, just to kind of, again, for anybody who's new to stream sets and, and, and so on, what's the ways in which people can see it now and get access to it and so on? I mean, I came across it as a, a package that I could download in, on this, or into, uh, into Cloudera CDH. But generally, how do people kind of get hold of, of stream sets? How does it kind of get packaged and, and, and that sort of thing? Right. So, yeah, so the... 
CDH, um, we, you know, we run as a, a part, we distribute as a parcel that you can load into the uh, Cloudera manager there. Um, it's, it's probably useful to note that uh, Data Collector is 100% open source. So uh, typically, um, I think probably the most common uh, way that people get it is just um, downloading it from our website, you know, streamsets.com slash open source. You can download uh, the, the, the big tarball with everything. There's a, a minimal one with a very small set of um, connectors that you can get. Um, and uh, that's where people tend to start. Now, um, it's interesting. We've actually, one of my parts of my part of my job as the community champion is I kind of monitor the download metrics and I look at our logs and see who's downloading it. And it's it's pretty incredible that um, we just did a review. We're coming to the end of a quarter, and uh, we we just passed the end of the quarter, in fact. And we did a review of our download numbers quarter to quarter, and we're actually seeing five times the number of downloads now that we were three months ago. And with the limited amount of uh, visibility we have upstream, you know, you you get the IP address of whoever's downloading, and sometimes you can kind of, you know, do a reverse lookup on that. Um, we can see that at least a third of the Fortune 100 have downloaded stream sets. So we know that it's being used, apart from, you know, the companies we're engaging with on the commercial side, we know that it's being evaluated and used in a whole bunch of, uh, of big companies. So, so people are, people are, uh, you know, downloading those open source bits, either, uh, you know, as the tarball or through cloud air as you did. And, um, you know, getting getting started. So, what are the what are the components that make up um, the Streamsets platform? I know there's a web UI and there's a collector part and so on. Just tell talk us through um, the various bits people might see and, and and how they fit together. Okay, so um, Streamsets is effectively um, a Java application. Okay, so you you start it up um, on your uh, on your laptop or on an EC2 instance or whatever. And um, it serves a web UI, and uh, the web UI is actually, uh, you know, it's, it's a stateless server. It's just serving you the pages, and uh, the web UI is actually JavaScript using uh, the Streamset's uh, REST API to call into the uh, to call into the, the, the Java app. So. Um, as you're building your um, as you're building a pipeline, so in the UI you're dragging on boxes and linking them together and configuring things like your database connection parameters. You might be configuring, you know, some logic in that in that pipeline you're building. You're configuring, um, you know, some parameters on uh, writing to HDFS. What's happening is that UI is periodically so you know every time you're idle for a fraction of a second sending that pipeline definition back to uh, the app as uh, json so this is another thing that's really really nice is that you know, the pipelines that you build are basically uh, json definitions so they're text they can be go into version control you can do diffs between them and so on and um when you press uh, like run to run your pipeline or preview or whatever, it's just essentially assembling uh, that pipeline in memory and then starting it up. So it, it all all the magic happens 
within this uh, Java application. And because, you know, because we're using Java, it's it's easy for us to kind of, as well as running this standalone mode, as I mentioned, um, submit those jars to uh, 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 Spark or or MapReduce. But there, you you know, you you still build on a, you still build your pipeline. It's the kind of the IDE still runs in a standalone thing. But once you've defined it, then the pipeline and the jars get shipped up to Spark or MapReduce, and then they and then they kind of the runtime happens. Uh, there. So for myself, um, I came to uh, came to hear about Streamsets and use it because it was um, uh, a tool that supported loading into Kudu, which was something I was using at the time in a project. Um, but there's lots of different options out there, and including open source projects um, for uh, for loading data into Hadoop and processing and pipelines and so on. Um, how does how do they compare to this? And and would you say things like um, Apache NiFi are competition, or it complements uh, projects like that? Sure. So um, if you think about uh, different layers, so you've got things like uh, Apache Beam, for example, which is uh, a code level abstraction of streaming. So Beam lets you write code to the Beam API that then can run on uh, Spark, uh, Flink, you know, whatever great streaming tool is going to come down uh, the pike. Now, um, Streamset's data collector is a UI level abstraction. So rather than writing code like you might in Beam or, you know, indeed uh, in Spark, you know, going straight to the Spark UIs, uh, sorry, APIs, um, Streamset is, uh, you know, higher level than that. So in that sense, it kind of sits at the same layer as um, Apache NiFi, and indeed, you know, if I, you, you, you know, held my arm up behind my back, um, you know, I'd have to say, well, that's probably apart. Aside from people writing brittle homemade scripts and and apps, um, you know, NiFi is probably the closest thing in terms of competition. You know, it kind of looks similar, kind of op- occupies a similar space in the stack, but. There are, di- there are important differences uh, between the approaches uh, that we take and, and, and NiFi takes. Now, and, and I, you know, I'll caveat this with I'm obviously the community champion for stream sets and I'm not an, exper- an, an expert on NiFi. So this is like what's been my impressions and what's been reported to me by people who've used both uh, much more extensively than I have. But NiFi is very uh, file oriented. I mean, it's, its original name was Niagara Files. So you you pass files through a series of processes, and it, after each process, they get written to disk, and then they get read back in, and then they get written to disk, and they get read back in. And um, what this one consequence of this is that when they're written to disk, they're written in a particular format, and then the next processor if that processor is doing some useful task and it doesn't understand the format of the last one, you have to have a convert Avro to JSON or convert CSV to XML or whatever. And if you look through the, the NiFi standard processors, there's you know a handful of these convert X to Y things, and you know that's that's really the big difference. Um, you know when people say, "Oh, you know, I can see NiFi is out there. What's the difference between NiFi and, and Data Collector?" It's that we're very much record oriented, in that we read your 
CSV files, so many records at a time, parse the records, then they're in memory, and then you can operate on them and write them out. And you get much more, uh, <coughs> excuse me, visibility into the data in that way. And we, we have this marvelous preview mode where you hook up to the source and you click preview and it reads the first 10 or so, however many you ask for records, and you get to see inside the data. You get a much better feel or what's uh, what's going on yeah definitely i mean it's certainly I, I, I apache beam you mentioned that um so that was based i think on on google cloud Dataflow, and um i, I got quite i got quite a kind of a, a, a rude awakening with that really where i was working um doing some work on uh, on bigquery and uh and i'd been thinking about kind of you know google Dataflow, and yes it's very it's very kind of, it's very text-based it's it's more like writing spark streaming code than writing it's not a gui and so on there and actually, that was a useful <clears throat> that was a useful comparison for me to make because I, I remember in the setup call we talked on here about you know is this kind of a competitor to, to Apache Beam? But Apache Beam is much more, I think, a framework and so on. Um, to me, it's the fact that you've kind of built something that is clearly kind of built for streaming, and it's it, as you said before, it, it kind of is designed for the way we do things now, and it's architected for this way as well. Um, but it kind of you know it's 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 user friendly as well, and I think that particularly appealed to me really. Um, and uh, so the question I'd have, and another kind of, I suppose, in a way, um, uh, not objection, but certainly kind of thing to think about is, why wouldn't, um, why wouldn't a customer use something like, say, Informatica, or, or, or a, tool, a tool that really um, you know, has the ability to, to reach out to other sources as well? What is it, again, what are you bringing in terms of kind of like new ways of kind of doing ETL and in- introspection and so on? What are you doing there to try and sort of modernize how ETL works that would mean that it's better to use that than, say, an old, an old tool? Well, again, it's it's this move to the schema on read approach that you 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 know you don't have to have this uh, huge input schema and draw the lines from the input to output and account for everything and have this brittleness that if something changes, do you have to go back in? Even if it's just some little detail that changes that's irrelevant to your flow, do you have to go back in and uh, you know modify uh, what you've done? I think another another difference again is um, the historically ETL has been pretty batch uh, oriented, and you know that we like I say we we uh, attack things from completely the opposite direction. So, for instance, you know we, we've got the uh, Kafka is like a first class citizen. It's probably uh, the most popular uh, source. For you know, getting data uh, into um, into stream sets apart from just files on disk, um, and then um, I think the uh, you know when when you look at uh, relational databases, you know we we're building this uh, CDC functionality in from the get go. So we've had uh, you know SQL Server. So so the the marvelous thing with JDBC is you can get data out of just about any database in a very standard way. But the awful thing is, if you actually want the changes, everybody, that's out of scope for JDBC, and everybody does it their own way. And, um, you know, that's what one of the things we're doing now is going around the different data sources. So we did uh, SQL Server, we did Oracle. We actually had a community contribution of MySQL. Uh, So one of our developers out in our community uh, did a pull request for uh, the MySQL binary changelog, and uh, I have to say, you know, we were um, we were 
pleasantly surprised at just the quality of uh, that implementation. And I think it was, you know, a few th- a few uh, back and forths. I mean, you can go out to get, GitHub and look at our pull requests, but, you know, there's a couple of back and forths on code style and tests and so on. But, you know, to a large part, we just kind of brought that uh, nearly 5,000 lines of code into the product. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really, um, it's a focus, it's an emphasis on, uh, the schema on read, the continuous operation, and of course, open source. That you know, this is a tool that uh, we see people downloading, doing evaluation. So t- you know, a typical progression is, uh, you know, I do my Sunday evening um, analysis of the download logs, and you know, I notice you know, company X is there, and then seven to ten days later somebody from company x pops up in our slack channel or on our uh, mailing list and uh you know we see this kind of adoption through the open source um uh route and you know that and that's you know it's it's hard to uh overestimate you know the the difference that makes when practitioners practitioners are able to grab tools and i think this is really you know Part of the reason why Hadoop basically took over the world over the past 10 years is that when practitioners can, without having to ask, without having to, you know, pony up their details to a salesperson, when they can uh, get the tool, try it out, evaluate, see if it works, you know, they can they can basically build their own case for going to their boss and saying, wow, this thing works really well. I think we should use it. Um, you know, I don't want to be the last link in the chain if we put this into production. So we ought to talk to these guys uh, about some uh, support. Yeah, I mean, that that's, <clears throat> that mirrors Mike. I mean, you worked for Sun in the past, you said, and, and uh, <clears throat> obviously Sun was bought by Oracle and so on. And uh, in, in, in my world of Oracle, the fact that we could download the stuff from, from OTN at the time, and we could run it on a, on a kind of uh, evaluation basis and so on, it meant that as developers, you know, we could pick things up and work with it. And I think if, from a community perspective, it was good. I mean, the other part to it was obviously it put... <laughs> It put products into customer sites that were then picked up by license audits and so on, which probably was not kind of a, 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 a you know, it was not low, it was a deliberate, but certainly, you know, it helps to kind of get the product into companies. But certainly, as you say, the open source bit, I mean, I, I, I downloaded stream sets myself, I got it working. Um, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's, um, so what, what do, when people um, pay for, for stream sets, you know, what do they pay for? Is it support? Is it extra features? I mean, beyond the open source version, what, what's, what do you get for your money, yep. really? So uh, you get support. So, you know, you get an SLA when you report a problem. Uh, There's an SLA there for us responding, uh, working through it with you and so on. Um, Often people uh, buy some services, uh, you know, as part of that deal. They might say, well, you know, I need you to do this on top of what the, uh, uh, the product does right now. And, you know, realistically, you get your issues uh, prioritize. So if it's not a bug, if it's an enhancement, then we're obviously going to wait. You know, we, we constantly have a backlog of uh, features, enhancements, bug fixes, and so on. And we obviously weight those towards uh, the paying customers. So, you know, you, you, you get basically that, you know, the direct uh, hotline in, into us to, uh, to get problems fixed and to, um, you know, affect the direction of of development good so so one last question before we get on to the data drifting i want to talk about as well um so 
uh, one thing I was looking for was to see whether or not um, your tool would work with, say, uh, Google, Google kind of BigQuery and stuff like that. I mean, in general, yep. what's the kind of the, 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 the strategy, the direction like, over stream sets working with these kind of, you know, um, Hadoop as a service kind of uh, clouds and so on? What's your, what's your thoughts on that or approach on that? So, yeah, so that's somewhere we're going. And um, we're actually in... We, so the other thing that the open source approach gives us is tremendous transparency. So right now you can go to our issues list and search for Google and you can see that, um, I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, it's big. T- I had the tab open on my uh, laptop because somebody asked on the mailing list about this. So we're actually working on Google Bigtable uh, right now to go targeting the next release, which will be 2.2. And and this is so, I mean, this blows my mind that anybody can just go and look at our issues list and just search for that and see it. Um, And then, you know, uh, I think um, somebody out in the community created an issue for BigQuery uh, and that'll get uh, done down the line. But yeah, I mean, in the wider question of the cloud services, this is something that... uh, we're obviously uh, working on. Um, we can see that you know people run a lot of stream sets on um, AWS, and the ability to I mean we already support things like Kinesis and S3 and so on. So it's really just adding in those uh, other services. So um, in these days of everything being cloud, what what led you to um, to actually design uh, stream sets? primarily at the start, to be an on-premise solution? So r- right now, I think Data Collector, um, you know, to, to, for, for my, in my opinion, it's so easy to set up and get running um, that, that I think, uh, you know, that's why we've gone that route first. Um, and right now, you know, our focus on the uh, cloud side, our focus is really with Dataflow Performance Manager. You know that you've got stream sets deployed in so many places. Uh, Dataflow Performance Manager is a cloud-based tool to manage those. But also, I think you know, in a, in a lot of uh, cases, you know, again, this is the big data approach of taking the executable to the data. Um, you need to be uh, close to the data to efficiently process it. In many cases, not you know, not all the time, but in many cases. So I think starting with um, you know, on-premise first is probably the appropriate way to go for a, a big data handling tool because shipping large volumes, uh, you know, up and down across the internet, um, if that's your only choice, then, you know, that's not necessarily a, an efficient way to go. No, exactly. So so let, let's kind of get, we've been talking for ages about the, the, the kind of architecture and technicals and so on. I, let's go back to this thing about data drift. So <clears throat> when I was reviewing your, your, your website and looking at it and so on, there's a lot of talk about data drift and, and the cynic in me and probably in you and Wells, you know, thinks it's just a kind of marketing thing, but it actually, it actually kind of resonated with me. And I've worked on projects where, you know, um, uh, you develop it and it's around with scripts and so on there. And, and it, like you said earlier, it's kind of brittle and, and so on there. Um, I mean, what happens with your product? Imagine, um, just take, take us through what happens if, if data does drift and, and what is the kind of process okay. that happens and how do you actually in reality kind of like handle this in a better way than before? Okay, so there's, there's various kind of levels to this. Hmm. So the first is, so say you're reading in, um, I don't know, JSON mm. objects from uh, Kafka. So 
you, you, there's kind of an implied schema there, right? You, mm. You're getting fields. Um, you, it's JSON is to some extent self-describing. So you've set up your pipeline. Um, if the fields change order, well, JSON doesn't care about that, and we don't care about it. If a new field gets uh, added, again, we don't care about it because we parse that field in, and it'll go along your um, pipeline. And assuming, say, you've, you've, you're writing to fair, some fairly well-structured destination, maybe you're writing to Cassandra or, mm. or so on, you know, you've specified the mapping from fields to columns. So, you know, anything that is additional is just going to not, not affect the outcome. Now, the interesting thing comes uh, with uh, a feature that we added for uh, Hive in the first um uh, in the first instance, and this was driven by a customer requirement where they wanted to not only kind of not break when that additional field comes along, they wanted to modify the Hive schema mm. to add the new column. So what we do is as, we're, as we're, we have this metadata processor that can, has two outputs. One of them is the metadata for Hive and the other one is the records for HDFS. And it monitors the structure of the data. And when there's a change in that structure, it will actually go and, uh, say, create a new column in Hive and then allow the new, the, uh, the new records to kind of flow to HDFS. So it's like this kind of gatekeeper mm. that it kind of holds up, you know, puts a halt on the HDFS stream for a moment, changes the schema, and then lets them go. And you see the schema in Hive uh, react to the change. Now, when I've spoken about this before, people say, ah, I really don't want it making changes like that. Well, mm. that's fine because this is, this is you know, this is an additional thing that you drop in to make it happen like this. But for customers who are maybe uh, accepting data from a whole bunch of different partners who each maybe have, um, you know, their own CSV mm. uh uh, files that they're they're giving you, and they add a column to their CSV for some new business requirement. It's really useful for your uh, uh, your Hive, uh, the data in Hive to reflect that new uh, that change without you having to go in and make a change every time. Because if you're dealing with mm. and you know one of our partner, one of our customers is dealing with many many partners um, with kind of fluctuating uh, data that they're ingesting. You know that removes a big uh, headache. The system being able to respond to changes in uh, structure like that, and that's quite, I think, quite a nice lead into the next thing we're talking about, which is a new product you've got. So, I guess the other part. Of, so, you're looking. What you're saying is your product will not break effectively when when the schema changes, and it will kind of gracefully, um, for example, uh, update and add columns in and so on, which is which is kind of good. But then the next thing is, well, how do I handle lineage? How do I handle? How do I record this? Yep. And how do I understand? I suppose yep. in a way the bigger picture. So. There's a new product you brought out. Tell us what it is and tell us what problem that solves and how it fits in with this. Sure. So Dataflow Performance Manager is the new product. And, you know, imagine that you're a, you're a customer of, with uh, Data Collector and you love it and you're using it all over your enterprise. You're reading and writing Kafka topics. Um, and, you know, basically each one of these pipelines is a tab in your browser to get visibility into um, the uh, throughput, the error rate, and so on. Now, 
kind of going through those browser tabs it's you know it's doable but it's it's a real hassle and you don't get much of a sense of the bigger picture so what dataflow performance manager does is provide that bigger picture by a few things so one is that you can register those data collector instances with the performance manager you can upload all those pipeline definitions so basically have a repository of your pipelines and you can uh assign pipelines to uh, data collector instances. So basically you can do job control and you can say, okay, I need to run this pipeline on those instances, go. And then what's the really neat thing you can do is build topologies um, that give you that wider view. So you can start dragging uh, pipelines onto a canvas to say, well, this one reads my web logs and writes to Kafka this one's reading that Kafka and writing to HDFS. And then this one's reading the HDFS and writing to um, some uh, I don't know, legacy data warehouse, whatever. And you can start to see that lineage and see that end-to-end -end data flow supporting you know, whatever bigger picture and um, get an idea of, okay, well, I've got this data coming in from these wearables where does that go? You know, where, what's, where does that fan out to? Because I need to know, you know, that's user data, that's customer data coming in. I need to keep control of where that's going, but and now I can see it. And conversely, you know, I, my, I've got this um, analysis uh, data set on, you know, over on the, the notional right-hand side, that what exactly is feeding that? What, how am I making conclusions? uh from that you know what what data am i actually making conclusions from so you can in both directions you can see the kind of the, the fan out of you know a data source to different destinations and the fan in of you know multiple sources into maybe one uh analysis tool on you know that, that you're you're actually uh uh, making decisions from so so this this lineage uh, information you know the, the lineage data that you're, you're collecting and, and and all this how can we get it out to people how how can that data be then exposed through the front-end tools they're using or, or kind of documentation and so on is, is, is this an open standard or accessible and so on how, how do we get access to it so um right now we have uh the ui so we we uh, we show it, uh, you know, in in uh, we've got this kind of a flow diagram below the the like the network diagram, and um, I think over time we will make it uh, we will expose it via uh, APIs and so on. So, but because it's all there, we basically maintain a time series database of statistics. So your your data collectors are reporting in periodically. And uh, so we're ma maintaining all that data. So as we build out Dataflow Performance Manager, you'll be able to access it in uh, in many different ways and, and through other tools. So what's the Streamset's vision for data in motion going forward, you know, into the future? Where, where do you see this all going? So, so the vision is really that um, data in motion comes under uh, like proactive management. And it's really... Uh, it should be a cross-cutting concern in the same way as security is right now. You know, you have security specialists who have a kind of cross-cutting horizontal role and that are a resource for the whole enterprise to call on and are responsible for security throughout the enterprise. I think data in motion uh, should go in, a, in a, the same direction in that, you know, you have to, uh, you have issues of PII, uh, regulatory compliance and so on that really have to be 
um, managed in a holistic way rather than uh, split up and, you know, piecemeal in different departments. It really is uh, more efficient and, uh, you know, you're, you're more likely to uh, uh, be able to comply with regulation if you have somebody whose job it is to kind of keep an eye on this for the whole organization who can who has that visibility and is able to see that, uh, you know, this health data coming in from wearables you know, see exactly where that's going, and you know when it that, that when it does go off for analysis, that it is in the aggregate, and there's no PII uh, leaking through into uh, you know the analysis uh, system. So re- that that's really where we're going from going. So, so with, D, with 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 the new Streamsets DPN uh, product, who who is the customer for it? Typically within an organisation, who would be the person that you would kind of market this to? Who would who would make use of it really? I think it's uh, it's definitely people on the operations side. So where data collector is, you know, more data engineers, data scientists, developers, and so on. I think data flow performance manager is going to be uh, much more the ops side of DevOps and into the kind of IT department um, rather than rather than you know the the data engineering and analysis people. Is there a particular kind of market or particular type of customer or t- particular success story around your products really that, that kind of stands out? I mean, have you, have you got any particular markets that you um, that particularly get value from this really? Yeah, so um, we we have a few, uh, you know, we have a few specific companies we can talk about that are, that are using the product. So um, Cisco use it in their uh, intercloud uh, product for moving data um, on the, on the back end of uh, their systems, uh, w- w- you know companies. Uh, we have um, a major manufacturer who is using it for. Um, I think it's uh, sales and operational data. They're they're synchronizing in the the one I was talking. The really interesting one I was talking about with the uh, the the Hive Drift. Uh, solution is um, that's uh, automotive data coming in from uh, a whole bunch of partners and being kind of funneled into uh, a system for um, analysis. I mean, we we it's it's interesting. Just today, we um, published a blog entry, you know, talking about this the 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 uh users we see through the the downloads and we see an awful lot of um financial services as well as uh as well as manufacturing and uh other disciplines i think iot as well is an area where um people are using this to you know just because of the uh you know it's 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 these what is it the five is it the four v's or the five v's of big data variety velocity uh and so on and and you know that that's really you know where you see this variety it's the variety of data um and the variety over time that uh that this is a really uh, a great tool for addressing that 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 you know that drifting uh uh data structure Okay, so what about the roadmap? What what's coming down the line from Streamsets in the future? Where's your focus going to be um, for the product going forward? So I think um, we're going to uh, focus on this idea of uh, operational visibility. Mm. So right now with uh, with DPM, basically it's a data collector that's reporting it. 
Hmm. So, you know, you can you can get a lot of visibility on that. You know, obviously, if you've adopted uh, StreamSets Data Collector, you'll be able to see all of those nodes reporting in. But there'll be there's kind of edges uh, to your your visibility there. So if Data Collector is, you know, faithfully writing into a Kafka topic um, right now, you don't have a lot of visibility into whether that topic's being drained. You know, no, are, are, the, are the messages piling up, or you know, is is your downstream app faithfully uh, consuming them? So I think that's uh, you know one of the next steps for us is going to be looking at instrumenting the other systems around the edge to kind of build out that visibility, so it becomes you know truly enterprise wide um, that you can you can gain operational visibility into your uh, data in motion. So Pat, just to round things off really, if I, a lot of people listening to this show are developers, where would they go to again just to get hold of the software and some tutorials and so on? So everything's on our website, uh, streamsets.com. So from there you can click through, there's a, a download link that'll let, let you download either the um, Cloudera parcel or the, uh, the Tarball if you want to run it standalone. Um, there's uh, product pages with kind of succinct descriptions of the products. Uh, there's a link to tutorials. And there's also under resources, there are a bunch of uh, reports, including um, a white paper on data drift. So that might be, you know, something that you would want to read to really understand what we mean by that term and, and how uh, stream sets are addressing it. Well, we just about run out of time now, Pat. So um, thank you very much uh, for coming onto the show and talking to us about stream sets and, uh, and data in motion. Hopefully we'll hear you know, a lot more about yourself and, and stream sets going into the future. But for now, thank you very much. And uh, it's been great having you as a guest. All right. Thanks a lot.